Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canal, and I am very excited for today's episode. And I'm not just saying that. We've had 50 plus episodes or so, so far in the show. And today is the first time we're bringing on a guest. And we're doing that because I thought this would be a very important guest to have. Our guest for today is Joe Casey. And Joe is the managing partner of Retirement Wisdom. He's an executive coach who also helps people create meaningful lives after their primary careers come to an end. Traditionally, we call it retirement. But today with retirements, often lasting 20 to 30 years or more, it's an opportunity to pivot to something new beyond the world of full-time work. As a certified Design Your Life coach, Joe is trained to help people leverage the principles of design thinking to discover a new direction, one that offers purpose and meaning in the second half of life. It's not theoretical for Joe. He's done this himself, becoming a coach 12 years ago after a 26-year career at Merrill Lynch, where he was senior vice president and head of HR for global markets and investment banking. Last fall, Business Insider named Joe as one of 23 innovative coaches who are making a difference. Joe, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, James. Great to be here. I'm excited for this show. You know, so often what I'm talking about is the financial piece, retirement. People think about social security and investments and taxes and Medicare and all very, very important pieces. But what I was so excited to have you on for, in fact, the first guest ever to the show because I thought it was so important is that other side of retirement, the meaning side, the purpose side. And so excited to jump in. But before we do so, do you maybe mind just telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I grew up in the Boston area. So that means I'm a fan of all the Boston sports teams across the board, pretty much. But I met a New Jersey girl in college. And so I've lived in New Jersey now for the last 40 years. And we have four kids. I'm also still a committed runner, although I run indoors these days because I injured myself with a half a mile to go in the Boston Marathon 2016. 12 races to qualify, finally got there, but I was very lucky. So got repaired by a great surgeon and I'm able to run indoors on a, on a machine, but enjoy, enjoy sports, enjoy working out and particularly enjoy working, having the ability to work with clients, create new lives after the, the world of full-time work comes to an end for them. Yeah. Wonderful. Now you, you had a successful career. You did the Wall Street thing. You, you moved up there. A lot of things that people will look at that and say, yeah, Joe's had a successful life, a a successful career. What made you get into coaching once you finished that? Sure. It's a great question. I actually had a coach in the year 2000 and 2001. took a long time because I was a hard case in retrospect, but (laughs) that gave me really the ability to make great strides as a leader. And I saw what the process did for me and also the ripple effects it had in the organization. So I became very curious about coaching. And after I learned more about it, I said, boy, that's something I want to do after HR comes to an end for me, mm-hmm. which came to an end sooner than I thought. I figured maybe when I'm 55 or so, I'll do that. But we were acquired when I was 52. So I decided, well, let me think about doing this because I've got a chance to do it now. I took early retirement and went back to school. So I really was serious about it. I wanted to make sure I knew how to do it well and learn from a lot of the coaches that we had used as well as the coach I had the privilege of working with. And for me, it was a natural extension of the HR career of looking at people, people's potential and their development and growth, which continues long after we retire. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So you had a coach and you're now able to serve as a coach to others. And and I've got to imagine that from your perspective, you see people 
retiring or approaching retirement. And is it safe to say that the, the clients you work with are all approaching retirement or in retirement and wondering to, what to do with that second half for that, that second season of their life? Sure. They, they come at different times. They come to us really within six months of retirement, usually with the look of terror in their eyes because it's staring them down. I've seen many, it. <laughs> many come a year or even two. I'm working with three people now who are two years out. But they come from different places. Some are, are people who have pursued fire and are retiring very early and now have a long stretch ahead of them. But more, more commonly, they're in their 50s, early 60s, although I do have two clients that I'm working with now, 75. And they inspire me because they are coming with so many ideas. I have one entrepreneur who's 75 who came to me with the problem of so many things I want to do after I sell my business next June, I need someone to help me decide. And that became a really good experience because one of the first things we worked on is why does it have to be one thing? And he's now pursuing a portfolio of activities, which most people do. That's great. Now, as people come to you, you know, they've maybe had success with their lives and their careers and their finances. What would you say is missing? Why are they reaching out to Joe Casey? What's missing that they don't have even once they complete their career? Sure. So they often come to me through, ironically, podcasts. So we have a podcast as well, and they listen there and get to know us and get a little bit better educated on some of the issues on the non-financial side. But what's probably the best way I can tell you is a story, because I was actually coming for a lunch in Center City, Philadelphia one day, and it was February, and it was eight degrees, and I literally ran to my car, so I could still run a little bit back then, and got in because I was driving to my next meeting. And I picked up the phone. It was that, that message we all hate to see, unknown caller. And I said, should I take it or just start driving? I took it. It was a former executive coach client of mine by the name of Larry. And he said the two words you just said. He said, something's missing. He had been retired for four years. And as he said, I have nothing to complain about. Built a great life. He had sold a successful business. But he said, something's missing. And what it is, is, is I think it's purpose. And for me, I don't want to jump back into full-time work or start another full-time business, but I wouldn't mind jumping on the carousel and hearing the circus music play once in a while. So he ended up doing a bunch of different things from us starting to work together again. But they usually come with some combination of missing purpose, which is a big thing, I think, that gets people stuck. Or more commonly, they took for granted some of the intangible things we get from work besides a paycheck. And they're looking to find ways to replace some of those in, in some new ways. Mm. Now, when when people come to you and say, hey, I'm, I'm missing purpose, or I'm, I'm approaching retirement, and what am I going to do when I lose out on some of these intangibles or some of these tangibles? Where do you start with that? How do you point to someone and say, here is your purpose or help them discover what their purpose is? What does that process look like? Sure. And I think that's one of the misconceptions about the, the non-finished side of retirement is that you have to have a new purpose because no one, only one person has ever come to me and said, I really need to find a new purpose. But every single person I've worked with ultimately gets there. Mm-hmm. That that's what it turns into doing. But I think when people think about a new purpose, it becomes overwhelming. They think I need to immediately take a vacation to some mountain somewhere for at least a month and do a lot of navel gazing, figure that out. That's not how it works. They're usually figuring out, well, how am I going to invest my time? You work with folks on the financial side, and that's critical. You need that foundation. But then it's, okay, now I've got the freedom that I work so hard to earn. How am I going to invest all these hours? Because it's about 2,500 hours a year that usually was allocated to work that, you know, it's a great opportunity to use in whichever way you want. And most people, 
most men, actually, I should say, that come to me, they use the word fear very early. I don't see that hardly at all in the executive coaching work I do because all of the loves leaders are fearless in the workspace. Just kidding. But, but uh, <laughs> they're fearful of being bored. They're fearful of not being relevant any longer. And they, they're, they're right to do so because there have been some stats on the average retiree 65 and over pre-COVID, mind you, spends 48 hours a week watching TV. And that's not what all those hours and years of work was freed up to create. People who come to me aren't the ones who want to play golf and travel and just do that because nothing wrong with those things, great things. They're the ones who they were successful and they want to redirect that drive. They're yeah. not done yet. They yeah. don't want to work full time, but they don't want to just kick back either. So yeah. they're, afraid, they're afraid that they'll drift a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and are there certain challenges, and you're already touched upon a few here, that, that you see people as they face that transition into retirement? Yes. The first one I mentioned, which is the things that we take for granted, we get from work besides the paycheck. And those are things that are, they hit you right in the face if you've just suddenly retired. About 56% of people retire five years earlier than plant. It's not really always up to us. Mm-hmm. Retirement. But it's things like structure. Work structures are days, our weeks, our months, sometimes even our years. The rhythm of the year comes from comes from that. Also, it provides some social connectivity and camaraderie, especially for us men types. And the biggest one is it's our identity. We tend to tie our who we are with what we do for a living, and we'll talk about ourselves that way. So all of a sudden, people go from a conversation where they're meeting someone known, they say, new, and they say, "So what do you do?" And they hesitate because they can say, well, I'm retired, or they can say, well, I used to be. But the ones who thrive are the ones who are talking in the present tense. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm doing now because I left this particular thing I did in the past. Yeah. So it's interesting because I do see that all the time. And identity is such a big thing, and it it can be shaped over 30, 40 years in the workforce. And so like you're saying, it's maybe not something that we consciously realize is there, but it's there in all of us. Until that's gone, maybe we don't fully recognize that. How do you start when it comes to helping someone create that identity? Because I think we all know our identity shouldn't be in work, but it's so easy to fall into that rut of letting that happen. What does that look like? Where do you, how do you coach people through a challenge like that? Sure. So we, I start as a designer life coach, and this is the process that was designed and developed by two Stanford professors, Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. They created the most popular course at Stanford, wrote a book about it in 2016, Design Your Life. And then they took it on the road to alumni groups and discovered, hey, this isn't just for college kids. This is for people mid-career and late career. And I'm one of the few ones, maybe the only one still, doing it in retirement, using it in retirement. And it works very well with the principles of design thinking. So your point of where we start is taking a look at what gives people energy, what are the things that they really that really get them going, work and outside of work? And what are the things that conversely detract energy? Starting mm-hmm. taking inventory. We also use a dashboard tool that they've developed, which is really looking at the aspects of life because we're multidimensional. And guess what? Retirement's going to be multidimensional too. So how do we feel about how things are in terms of our relationships, in terms of our health, in terms of here's a topic that doesn't come up much in work? Play. What are we doing for fun? What do we want to do for fun? And then for some people about 20%, they want to continue doing some type of work. They want to work in the, in the equation somehow. Might be volunteering, might be consulting, might be starting a small business, but work's still a part of the mix. So we start by taking that inventory and really by looking at what are the possibilities going forward? 
what are the possible options to go, directions they could go in? Because we're not looking for quite the destination yet. We're looking for the direction. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start testing it. One of the principles of design thinking is prototyping. And it's really about reality testing some of those ideas, some of those alternative visions of the future by talking to other people who are doing those things today. Mm. So that's where people get a lot out of the process. I was just going to ask that, you know, so, so often I think we would all love to know exactly what energizes us or exactly what fills us up or lights us up. And to an extent, I think some of us know, but so much of our lives are for better or worse dictated for us in terms of here's your role at work. Here's what you're supposed to do. And it's, it's maybe not until retirement or until we're done working that we have total freedom to spend every hour doing just what we want. And that's, that's scary. And so how, you know, when, when people come to you, I got to imagine listeners are thinking, well, that would be great if I knew what lit me up, or that would be great if I knew exactly what energized me, I would, I would do that. But how do you help me identify what lights me up? You know, do you, see, do people typically come to you know exactly what that is already? Or is it typically through a process of working with a coach like yourself to do that? Sure. So people have an idea often of those things, but they haven't thought about it in a while and they haven't done it in terms of organized stepping back and reflecting. Mm-hmm. Also, though, one thing that I'm seeing quite a bit of, and I see this often among a number of doctors I'm working with currently, they're embarrassed, but they're quick to confide in me. I'm all about my job and entrepreneurs often, business owners, same thing. They'll say to me, I hate to say it, but I don't have any interest outside of work. And mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to, to come up with a technique on my own that's very simple, but it's been effective with them. And it, it happened first with one gentleman I was working with who's a lawyer. He said, look, I'm, I'm all about, I've just been all about my practice for as long as I can remember. And we start, I was stuck because I'm used to looking forward and playing the future. But I realized I could if I take a step back, I could take him back decade by decade. Because there was that, that scene in Jerry Maguire where he asked character, it wasn't always about the money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same thing here. You weren't always a lawyer or you weren't always a doctor. Or you always weren't a business owner, right? Mm-hmm. What did you like to do back then? And so we actually would go systematic decade by decade. What were some of the things you're interested in then, et cetera? Sometimes those things come back in a different form now that you've got an incredibly valuable asset class time that you can now explore some of the things in a different way. Yeah. So sometimes people know and they have an idea, but other times it takes some, some reflecting going back in time to say, what did I used to like that I probably would still like if work hadn't gotten in the way. Right. Very interesting. Now you, you touched upon a couple of things or a couple of times of hinting at this process sometimes looks different for men than it does for women. Do you mind explaining what that difference is, at least in your experience? Sure. So I'm going to give you my client experience, not you know, the broad Brett studies and, and of course it's a caveat that we don't want to generalize and you don't want to be stereotypical. But what I see is that for men that I work with, the identity thing, so to speak, is bigger. The the loss, frankly, of who they were, who we were, what our title was, what our profession is or was, really hits home. And so when it's suddenly gone, especially when it's suddenly gone, they really are disoriented and really feel kind of unmoored a bit at first. And so it's now about, okay, who are you going to be now? Who am I now without my business? Who am I without my title? Who am I without my business card? Who's the real me? And I find that women come to it, and I do work with women as well. They come to it more multidimensional in terms of how they think about their roles. They're also high-powered and successful in many ways professionally, but they've had more attention to the other roles in their life than sometimes we men do. 
That's the first one. Second one, men feel the loss of the social connectivity and camaraderie from work more than women because sometimes it's been skewed more in that direction than the social support that they've built along the way that women seem to be coming to the table with. And that's usually because my wife will remind me how much smarter women are than we men to begin with anyway. So they have an advantage. But I think it's the identity and the social part that, that, that seems to be different. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, you, you were, we're talking about some of the challenges and some of the just concerns people have as they're approaching this, which all I think resonate probably with a lot of people. Do you mind sharing maybe just a story or two or as an example of what, what's been some of that transformation you've seen when people have done this right, when they've gone into retirement with a purpose or, or come up with that new thing? What does that look like for people? Sure. So I'll, I'll talk about one where it came from the podcast, actually, and it wasn't the husband who called me. It was, it was his wife. And his wife called and said, boy, my husband needs you. He just doesn't know it yet. And he said, by the way, he won't like the idea of having a coach. Matter of fact, I know he's going to hate it. And she was right about that. He wasn't thrilled about it at first, but we connected pretty, pretty quickly. And he was one who was all in on his, his work. He really confided. He said, I'm, I'm terrified of, of being without my job. I've been all about it. And I'm terrified that I'll end up like my dad, who really just started to drift, watch TV and withdraw said, I want to make sure I'm active. So what he really did was to start to get involved in things that he had a passion for, but they were dormant. And and first thing was actually brought back because he was a wise man, he brought back date night, which with his wife, which had fallen, fallen away. It's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to stop doing. He brought that back and that kind of rekindled a lot of their connectivity and relationship. The other thing he started to do was to read broadly outside of his field, which he hadn't done in a while, but he had a lot of interest there. He ended up writing a book. And then throughout the uh, coming out of this process, it wasn't his goal. He said, I actually want to write. And then, but the most impressive thing I found was he was thinking about, they had one son and he used to read to his son when he was younger. And so he ended up reading, volunteering to read to young people in, in an underprivileged neighborhood, not too far away. And that made a big difference in terms of how we felt about the contribution. But what he did was a portfolio of things that he felt good about. He also continued to, in a part-time way, act as an advisor to people in his profession, but also put him, kept him intellectually stimulated as well. So he did a mix of things. And I think that's what most people end up doing. Mm -hmm. And are people, when they, when they make some of these changes, are they usually surprised by the changes that they find are most effective or bring them the, the light them up the most? Or is it like you said, they, they kind of know, but those things are just dormant or maybe suppressed. And it's just a matter of bringing them to life and I think it depends. Some people, it, they know, and it, it's really about clarifying them and sharpening them and, and really making them real. Others, it's new discovery. And the one I just talked about, by the way, it sometimes transcends how they spend their time, how they choose to invest their time. His wife said to me in a fall call, I said, I didn't think it was possible, but he brought back to me the man I married. I can see the look in his eye, the light in his eye is back. His eyes is back now. But others have possibility of things that they haven't really done before or didn't know. And they start through design your life process, mapping out three alternative visions of the future, including a wild card and a wild idea that they hadn't really put on the table before. And that can lead to some new things. What I see it playing out is something, doing something creative, like he did, writing a book. Some people have that in the back of their minds as well. Or some people have done some artistic things. One person chose to become a chef, not for professional reasons, but because he loved cooking. And he ended up going to culinary school to become even more serious about it. So uh, that became just something he you know, always had in the back of his mind he wanted to do. 
Others will start a business. They'll start a small business that's something passion-oriented. Or others will start to get involved in the community in some ways that are significant. I have one client who had been involved in philanthropy most of his career by serving on, on boards of large charitable organizations. He said to me, look, I, I want to get more hands-on. I want to make a difference now. I don't want to really be writing checks or sitting on top of organizations. I want to really get on the ground. So he did something created by getting involved in where he saw the greatest need in his local community by starting a charitable organization, food bank oriented. He had a specific need. That was his way of getting back, giving back and contributing. And it ended up for him to be a retirement that involved several different charitable activities that was involved in, not just one, but that was the first one he started. I love hearing that because so often people will come to me and they'll say, oh, we're working so hard and we're doing these long hours and we're, we're deferring all these things that we want to do because we want to be able to retire. And I say, okay, great. Let's put a plan in place. And we, we do, we put a plan in place and we implement the investment planning and tax planning and social security and all that stuff. And sometimes, many times, actually, I come back to people and say, you're actually in a position today to retire. You have the resources to make this happen. And their first reaction is kind of relief. And then the second one is one of fear because it's, oh, like that, that's a lot of freedom. And with that freedom comes a lot of responsibility and the responsibility for what does that look like? It's that, that moment when it sometimes hits them. Wow. Like I, I'm really not prepared for this. I've been telling myself that I'm saving and investing and planning to retire, but I'm really not ready to retire. So for you, when would you recommend that people start thinking about this? Is this something that people retire and then begin going through a process with, or is it something they should identify before they retire? What's that sweet spot of when it makes most sense for people? Ideally, it's before. And here's why. Because you have a chance to spend time, a little bit of time to think about these things. But more importantly, you have a chance to start doing some small experiments. Because that's what I do with people through the design your life process is ultimately we design experiments so that they get to test things rather than jump in with both feet on something that may or may not turn out to be really what they thought it was going to be. So ideally before where you can have some time to put some of those boats in the water, so to speak, by launching those experiments to get more hands-on experience with something you're thinking about. And to also expand your network because you're going to be through those experiences, meeting new people, working with new people, and that develops some new, new relationships and new networks that can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I do work with people who are usually like mentioned, one of the people I mentioned who was four years out of retirement and said something was missing. We're interested in upgrading their retirement. And it's one of two things. So either want to upgrade it or they want a do-over. And the upgrade goes like this. I had one client recently, just last week, talked to me about, said, look, you know, on the financial side, I did all the right things. I was fortunate. I did well. But I also invested conservatively, had a great advisor, and I'm flying first class. But in my day-to-day life, four years in, I'm kind of in coach in the middle seat. And I can feel that the person in front of me is going to start to recline pretty soon. So I'm getting, getting, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. And so they want to really get involved in things. And usually the common theme is they want to do something that's, that has more meaning for them, but also something for others in some way too. Not always altruistic, but something that they think really matters because that's what they were used to. Mm-hmm. So the do-over is people who start to get involved in the vacation mode of retirement, the honeymoon period, which is well-deserved, hard-earned. But a 20-year vacation probably isn't as much fun as we think it might be. Right. Yeah. right. So they, they see the need to say, okay, this isn't what I thought. I had a great time. 
did a bunch of things, but now I'm ready to get back to contributing. And between 20 and 25% of people, according to studies in the US and UK, unretire, go back to full-time work. Mm-hmm. So some people fall into that camp. More often than not, the people I see, they want to do a mix of things still, but they want to get back in the action a little bit more and yeah. to, to what some ideas might be, because they know the retirement they thought they were saving for wasn't really happening for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What strikes me about you, Joe, is this isn't just someone reaching out saying, what should I do in retirement? And the answer is, oh, volunteer or, oh, start a business or, oh, there's a process. And I think having a process for something is so important. And you've mentioned you know, a certified designing your life coach. Can you tell us more about how does that process work and why should someone work with a retirement coach? Sure. So I'll, I'll answer the retirement coach part first and then go into designing your life if that's okay. So a retirement coach, as I mentioned, you don't need it if you're going to play golf, watch CNBC, and you know, really travel for a while. That's you know, I'm not going to really help you in that regard or anyone else in my field would. What it's really suited for is someone who's been successful and still has that drive. They're not done yet, but they don't really know exactly what's next, but they want to find that. The reason why I use Design Your Life, because I've trained in other approaches, many other approaches, including other retirement approaches, the reason I found Design Your Life works really well with clients is it starts to really lead them to help to discover their path forward and discover it not in theory, in the abstract, or in some assessment, but in real life by doing these experiments. So it's really a process where first we're going to connect with what you like and, and do, maybe what you like to done in the past. We're going to spin it forward in terms of mapping out three alternative visions of the future. And that's going to be five, three to five year block. Where would you see yourself going? What would you see yourself doing in all aspects of your life? And if you couldn't do that, what else could you do? And then finally, this wild card dream plan of if you could do anything, no restrictions, no obligations, what would it be? The authors have told me that only 5% of people do them. And I haven't had anyone do the wild card plan yet, but they always inform the initial plan. They lead you to tweak it in this way and that way. So we'll go through these three alternative visions of the future. By the way, when I was packing up my office a year ago with COVID, I found my, my Odyssey plans, my three visions of the future. And I should have had it up on the wall, but I was too busy doing it. And it gave me chills when I found it because I said, boy, so many of these things have already come to pass. So many things are, are actually live. Mm-hmm. And so, so be careful what you put on those documents. I always tell people because they do tend to, to materialize. So after that, as I mentioned before, there's a process called prototyping, just as you would in designing a new physical product. You take it on the road, your ideas, and test it by having conversations with people who are doing something similar or exactly that today. And that's where you get the reality test of, oh, that isn't really what I thought it was, or hmm, this might be more challenging. Or conversely, boy, this is just exactly as great as I thought it would be. And I'm now talking to such such a person about a potential you know, new idea, or he or she introduced me to someone else. The person I mentioned before about who came to me, he said something was missing. He actually was invited through these prototyping conversations to be on three different board seats and ended up being a mentor to several startups because that's something he was very interested in doing. And that, that really changed his day-to-day life. It, was, it gave him more of the connectivity and activity he was looking for without jumping all the way back, back in. So it's really a process of helping people discover what their future is by broadening the range of options, and then narrowly starting to test them and make sure they know exactly what they're getting into, and then experimenting. I find that when we talked about purposing before, when people are looking for a single purpose, I think they're expecting a calling, which is you know, something different. 
I find most people go for the multi-purpose retirement. Three or four experiments, one starts to emerge as something that has legs to it, so to speak, that really captures your attention and interest and starts to become the main focus. And I think that's a better way to do it than trying to rack your brains waiting for a calling to hit you. If a calling hits you, great, go with it. But for most people, it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to me, it's just the what I'm hearing you say, just being intentional about it. Because if, if retirement to you looks like golf and travel, and yeah. awesome, that's amazing. But make sure that's an intentional choice. If retirement to you is something that you want to start a business or volunteer or do something that gives you that deeper sense of meaning, that's also awesome. So it's about living intentionally is what I'm hearing you say, not just drifting into something that you've kind of waited 30 years, 40 years for and waking up one day finding finding you don't really like it. Absolutely. And appreciating how multidimensional your life is today during your working years and how multidimensional it's going to be going forward. You may have grandchildren in the mix of the family relationships. One of the biggest things my clients end up doing is focusing more on health and wellness. Invariably, they say, I'd like to get back in the best shape of my life. I think my exercise routines tailed off with the pressures of work and pre-COVID travel. And I'd like to get back to really building that the right way. So I also use a method, Tiny Habits, with another Stanford guy, BJ Fogg, trained in his approach. Tell people really make that real, build in the right habits that they need to make make really their goals happen. Yeah, awesome. Well, in a second, Joe, I want to ask where people can find you, but is there anything else that you think might be helpful for this conversation or any, any other wisdom you'd like to impart upon the listeners? I think really just to step back and realize that you don't stop growing once you retire and you're a lot more than your business. You're a lot more than your business card. You've got these other facets that you now have the freedom, flexibility, you've worked really hard to create. And really, it's up to you to to figure out how you really want to invest that time. And like the financial planning that got them there, it's a matter of just working with the right partner and with the right approach, with the right process to help unlock really what what the future you're creating is going to be. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Well, Joe, where can people find you? Sure. So our website is retirementwisdom.com. You'll see the different programs we have. We have three, three programs people can engage in. We're also starting a group version of small group coaching with six to 10 people on Design Your Life this spring. But I also work one-on-one with clients. And then, as I mentioned, we also have a podcast where it's really a free retirement school on the non-financial side. We have 83 episodes on second careers, successful aging, health and wellness, other experts that we, we talk with so people can get some information there as well. Mm-hmm. And the podcast name? The Retirement Wisdom Podcast. Awesome. And, and we'll have links to everything in the show notes for everyone listening. You can also find it at readyforretirement.co on this webpage. So we'll include links to all that. But Joe, thank you so much. I think this is such an important and neglected side of retirement planning. So I appreciate you being on the show today. James, thanks so much for having me. It's a great conversation. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.